Hi, I'm Erica Darvis. Hi, I'm Amy Randolph. And you're listening to Podcast Rewind. We are two best friends talking hot topics and all of the podcasts that we're totally obsessed with. So come please be our friend on social media. You can find us at Podcast RWD on Instagram and Twitter. And then head over to Facebook and search Podcast Rewind. You can listen to our show wherever you're already listening to your favorite podcasts. Stitcher, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever that is, make sure that you rate, review, and subscribe because we need your stars to keep this show going. Cheers. Cheers. Let's talk podcasts. Hey guys, welcome back to Podcast Rewind, or as we're kind of calling it right now, Summer of Rewind. Rewind the Rewind. Rewind the Rewind. I am one of your hosts, Erica Jarvis, bringing you episode 75 with my favorite. Is that me? It's you. I'm your favorite, and my name is Amy Randolph. Hi, Amy Randolphs. Hi. Well, Randolphs. <laughs> um, girl, I gotta tell you, I'm a hot fucking mess. <laughs> I'm... You're not not a hot fucking mess. I'm a, I'm a bit of a disaster, <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> You're playing I, hurt. I'm playing my my yes. My face game is not quite on point because Mama played two rounds of golf over the weekend. I'm getting serious. Like I'm basically about to qualify for the LPGA. Yes, and I'm sacrificing my skin yeah. in the process. I am sunburned so bad. My face is like. I'm molting. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I know. Yeah. No. <laughs> I, and I'm saying all this building up to you. I'm so sorry that you have to sit this close to me and stare into the gorgeousness that is Amy Randolph as we record this. Remember years ago, I went out to Tampa to visit a buddy and we went fishing on his boat. Yeah. And it, we left at like six in the morning and I put on sunscreen and never again. And I was embarrassing to look at and to be as a person because I, yeah, my face was... No makeup could touch it for days, and then oh, yeah. it just starts falling off in chunks. Like, I've never been prettier. I know. I wore makeup today, Swipe right. and it was that terrible decision because it just, like, settled into all uh-huh. of my peeling skin, and now I'm, like, peeling skin to it. Oh, my God. And then the worst thing about your skin peeling from a sunburn, other than the incessant itching, is when your nose peels, and in the, like... Corner in the peripheral vision, yes. you can see flakes of your own nose, and you, I mean, you're just either going cross eyed trying to tear <laughs> it, or you're just scratching at your face or yes. out of hair. It's, it's not fun. I did this to myself. I'm not mad that I played all that golf. Yeah, of course not. Um, uh, my face is having none of this. Um, I'm sorry. I appreciate it's hard you when your favorite it. sport betrays you, or your favorite activity comes back to bite you in the butt. But like I said. It is. Get your golf game on, but in the future, make sure you do not look like you got your golf game on all the time. Yeah, no, I stopped on the way home tonight, and along with the face mask I got to counteract this later, uh-huh. I got a 70 SPF, like, space, or space, probably from space, space. <laughs> Neutrogena, like, won't sweat, won't clog, you know, doesn't come off with yeah. sweat, won't clog your pores, so we're going to try that this weekend. Oh, that's good. Do they make, like, sunscreen wipes? I think they do. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, you like wiped idea. your face of like the sweat and grossness, and then you kind of like reapply it at the same time. Wouldn't that be amazing? You know what? It's like okay, this is gross. Yeah, it's been gross so far. Um, when I'm out there golfing and like I get so sweaty, you know, your face just gets red when you're hot. Anyway. Oh, I am I mean, that person. It was. It's. I, I'm. I'm the ridiculous one that's golfing in Florida in July. It's mm-hmm. so balls hot. 
Um, but then I keep a towel with me all the time for a sweat and stuff and like little bits of dirt get stuck to your face. Uh-huh. And I, so I like wipe my face with my towel and then it just like feels like sandpaper <gasps> and it just, hurt. I mean, it just hurts. And then there's that thing too, where I'm sweating so badly, it's running out of my hair and stinging my oh. eyes. I mean, it's, it's rough. You don't wear makeup when you got, do you? I stopped trying that. <laughs> I did the first few rounds and I was like, well, this is pointless and making a bigger mess. Yeah, of course. So no, no, I don't. Oh. Anyway, how are you? I'm, well, I'm crazed. Yeah. I have like a pimple popping up, I can tell. <laughs> so, stress. um, like total stress work has been insane. I'm headed to LA on Thursday for a couple of days. And so in my brain, vacay days, thankfully. Vacay days where I hope to not look at my phone, but I'm a monster. <laughs> I will. I'll be checking emails. You'll be your phone. When you're salaried, who's ever really on vacation. Um, that's the thing. When you go domestic, you're like, ah, I gotta look at this. But if you're like international, you're like, nope, sorry, no data plan. Can't check my email. Uh huh. But I'm just so crazy. I mean, as it is, it's Tuesday night. We're potting. I have like laid out some underwear. I know I want to take. <laughs> That's about it. Oh, but I'm the queen. That doesn't stress me out at all. No. I am a last minute packer. Yeah, one hundred percent. So I mean, you're leaving on Thursday. I would be packing at like. I don't know, a few hours before I have to leave for the airport. That's who I am. And I'm comfortable with that. Yeah. You know that I'll run my gas tank down to until I see zero You guys, you guys, miles you guys, left. you guys, you guys. I'm not okay. I don't, I don't risk a lot in life, but there are certain things I live on the edge for. Packing before a trip, running my gas tank to like literal empty. And what did I do the other day that was stressing you out too? It was the gas tank thing. Yeah, but I did something else that you're like, I can't fucking do this with you. <laughs> I don't think we shared with anybody. We went golfing one day, uh-huh. and on the way home, Amy was like, I have 11 miles left. And I was like, but we live, like, 11 miles away. <laughs> she was like, okay. So that works out just right. We're pulling in. And it's, I've never seen zero before. And you're like, this is fine. And you really didn't mean it like that meme of, this is fine. You're like, no, this is totally fine. I was like, let me up. I have to walk. I cannot look at the zero on your fuel tank. It was killing me. I that told you. Not- I was like, had I known you were this person 13 years ago? I don't know if I would have signed up. <laughs> I have never run out of gas. You haven't. I'm not getting on good. one. Yeah. All right. So to calm your fears. To and my nerves. And your nerves. Uh, let's have a drink. Yay. Cheers. Cheers. It's time for drink of the week, you guys. Um, I'll start it off. I'm having a rosé because it's summertime. And we've been talking about rosé a lot lately. Um, I'm having the dark horse. That's a good um, one. Binary? Winery? Winery? Mm-hmm. What are you having? I'm having a Nobilo Sav Blanc. Oh, I know you've had that on the show before, but it's one of your faves. It is really it's one good. of my faves. It's good. I ran into Publix tonight. Like, I'm trying not to eat a, buy a lot of groceries before leaving mm-hmm. for LA. Mm-hmm. So I had, like, all these veggies. I'm like, I... Oh, I'm going to eat had- salads, your salads, all weekend. Oh, yeah. You're going to... You're gonna love it. I'm gonna. Um, there's a there's an avocado in there. Oh, um, you don't like avocado? I just learned that too. Um, it's not that I don't like. I just don't prefer. I get that. That makes sense. But yeah, I ran in tonight just to grab like a pub sub and like a bottle of wine. I was like, let's do this. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a long day. I need both of these things. Both of those things will help a hard day. Yeah. You guys, I'm sorry, Northerners. If you've never had a pub sub, oh, I'm so sorry. A Publix. Sub. I mean, if you get it fresh made at the counter, it's fantastic. Yes. But even a grab and go, oh, totally. Never been disappointed. They're perfect. I take them all the time. I go kayaking with my dad. Mm-hmm. They can last. And we've taken them to concerts and tailgate with a like pub sub in one hand and like a Miller in the other. And you're like, yes, let's concert. Oh yeah. I mean, it'll fill you up. It sticks to your ribs. Oh, a pub sub. 
You get a sandwich. It's like 700 calories. And you're like, how? And then you eat it. You're like, oh, that's oh, how. Yeah. Um, There's so much bread. Yeah, there is a lot of bread. <laughs> there is. All right. Well, now that we've got drinks out of the way, Amy, mm-hmm. two days into the week. Yes. Should we do it? And I'd be like, why are you so obsessed with me? Let's do it. All right. What are you obsessed with this week, Amy? Pub subs. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Pub subs every day. All, all day or day. Or day. Um, no, okay, here's what I'm obsessed with. I got on the bandwagon of the new Netflix documentary, I Love You, Now Die, uh-huh. parts one and two, and I'm fully fucking obsessed. Yes. Now, I actually followed this case in real life when yeah. it was happening, so... Um, for anyone that doesn't know what the hell I'm talking about, like I said, it's a new... It's not Netflix. I'm sorry. It's an HBO, HBO. documentary um, about Michelle Carter, who was charged with basically texting her boyfriend to death. Her boyfriend, Conrad, committed suicide. They're young. She was 17. He was 18 um, in 2014 when this happened. And, um, you know, watch the documentary for yourselves. I don't want to spoil anything, mm-hmm. but via text messages between the two of them, she encouraged him to kill himself. Or so it seems. Um, So that happened in 14, and I remember hearing about it and reading about it then, and then following the trial when it happened in 2017. So now HBO has given us this documentary, and so many people have been talking about it. Frankly, it took me so long to watch it because my HBO subscription ended, and so I restarted a free trial with a different email address Uh (laughs) so I can watch it. Um, And I'm not disappointed. It's fucking fascinating. It's awesome. Have to watch both parts, you guys, if you watch it. Of course. You have to. What are you obsessed with? Well, last week I did a thing and, you know, just usual posted to the little old Instagram for our account. And guys, I don't know what happened. We got like 138 likes on a post. So it was just like a retweet of a meme, but it like did well. And you and I were like, why are our phones blowing up? We are not popular people. No. But it was just so nice. And if for some reason any of those likes are now listening, thank you for liking that post and welcome to Podcast Rewind. Yeah, This is a podcast about all of the podcasts we're totally obsessed with. Yes, it's a true story. It's so true. But um, I was just like, oh, what's the secret sauce? There is none. It's just how is the algorithm ever in your favor that day? Fucking draw. Yeah, no, we went mini viral and it was an exciting moment for us. Yes. No, that was super fun. I loved it for the pod. And then, like, all in all, I'm obsessed because vacation is in one day. I'm going to see, I think, what might be my seventh or eighth Mumford and Son concert. That's right. And I hear the Delta tour is one of the best tours. Mm -hmm. And so, because of that, my friend Ashley, who I go with, to most of the concerts, we um, got pretty decent seats this time. Oh, so, yeah. For the first time ever, we always coin for those, or did you look at under bucks for them? Yeah, but like Isn't that under bucks? No, for but for them normally it's yeah. 50, 60 bucks at the most. Yeah, that's what we paid when we saw them here in town. We had great seats. Yeah. We so did. I'm not sure where we are this time out in LA, but they do a thing over um, the floor where they do a stage in the middle of the floor. Yes, so it's yes. like a full arena kind of thing. Like, I'm so excited. I haven't seen them in, like, two years since we went. Yes. Yeah. It, yeah. I started re-listening to all of their stuff the other day, and I was like, oh, this band's good. I'll give them <laughs> a go. It is good. I can already smell what your obsession is going to be next week. I don't know. What could it be? I can smell it. I can taste it. Can taste I can it. see it. I can hear it. <laughs> all of my senses are telling me. My spidey senses. All right. Um, well, I'm write it down, and let's see if you're right next week. <laughs> I'll fold it up and put it under your microphone. Yes. That would be really funny. You can open it live on air. 
Oh, no. you're going to be obsessed with your concert and your trip. Of course. I'm so excited Yeah. So thank you. And um, thanks for holding down the fort while I'm gone the next couple of days I'll, and eating my food. I'll keep my own cats alive <laughs> and I'll eat your food. I appreciate it. I got you, girl. Awesome. Um, okay, you guys. So we are still continuing our series, Summer of Rewind. Yep. We're rewinding, podcast rewind once again this week. Um, we're going to replay for you an episode that we did right as we started talking about different topics yeah. every week and really using the podcast that we listen to to inform our thoughts and opinions. Um, but to be frank, this opinion about this topic, Eric and I held long before <laughs> this particular podcast. I was born with this opinion. You were. <laughs> so, of course, we're talking about our MLM or multi-level marketing episode. Yeah. Um, look, we go deep. We are not MLM fans. We're going to explain to you why. So enjoy. I want to ask you a question. Sure. Are you interested in talking about a really great podcast topic? Here's the thing. To talk about this, mm-hmm. you mm-hmm. only need to put in $200. Okay, listen. And then you need to tell five of your friends about mm-hmm. this topic. Mm-hmm. It gets better. Yeah. If yeah. you have them tell five of their friends, uh-huh. you can get your $200 back. Oh. So yeah. it, it's not a pyramid scheme. Right. It's well, not. What if, what if I don't have $200 to expend right now? Um, what do you think I should do anyway? I would say, do you have any birthdays coming up? What can you do? Can you call in yeah. in advance, get an early birthday right. gift? Or um, if you're going to have it in the next couple of weeks, maybe one of those mm-hmm. um, cash advance locations. Because oh, yeah, I don't right. want you to miss out on this podcast conversation. I don't want to miss it either. I better... Okay, I'm on my way to the Amsterdam right now. I'm in. Awesome. I'm in. No, I'm fucking not. <laughs> no. If no. you guys haven't figured it out, this topic is deep. It's deep. And we're going there. And look, we know that some of you are not going to probably like very much what we have yep. to say next. But we're going to go ahead and live our truth. And we're going to dive deep into multi-level marketing. Or often known as MLMs. Mm-hmm. Or pyramid schemes. Or pyramid schemes. Now, I will say... Um, You've heard me talk on this podcast before about my deep obsession with Scientology. And not because I want to be in Scientology, but because it has got a cult-like status that I cannot wrap my brain around. And the same goes for MLMs. I cannot figure them out. So when we were planning this week's show, like a light bulb, it came to us. We We got to learn more about this stuff. And I did really learn a lot this week. So, um... All right, should we define first what yeah, we're talking so about and what an MLM is? What does Wikipedia say an MLM is? So according to the Wikipedia, which never lies, yep. uh, multi-level marketing, also known as pyramid selling, network marketing, and referral marketing, I've also heard direct to sale. Direct to sales, yes. Uh-huh, is a marketing strategy for the sale of products or services where the revenue of the MLM company is derived from a non-salaried workforce selling the company's products or services while the earnings of the participants are derived from a pyramid-shaped or binary compensation commission system. It's a lot of words. A lot of words. Basically, these are people who um, have bought in to own a piece of this company's product. So let's, LuLaRue is a really hot... Before you go on, I believe it's LuLaRoe. So if we're going to do this, we got to do it right. Okay, fine. LuLaRoe <laughs> is a super hot MLM out there right now. They don't sell in stores, though. How they actually get their products to their consumers is they have these independent consultants, participants, distributors. distributors. They have different words for it. They force those folks to buy 
their product from them. And, and then, the lowest selling point is, I believe you can get in, the lowest is $5,000 to buy your stuff. Which is a lot. And that's just LuLaRue. A yep. lot of them are, what am I saying, Roe? LuLaRue. Are, a lot of them are different. But then the cons- participant distributor turns around and does uh, sales to other people. So I'm sure almost all of you listening have been invited to some sort of party. I mean, if you think all the way back, it's Tupperware parties, yep. Avon parties, Mary Kay parties. Those are all MLMs as well. So at the end of the day, the participant will has to has to sell their product back. Otherwise, they're just out that money. Correct. And for them to continue to make more money, the company pushes them very, very hard to... Um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Acquire people underneath them that right. kind of create, recruit, like, recruit, recruit, and create like a team of people that they then work with. And LuLaRoe is not alone. Like you mentioned, there are quite a lot of other MLMs that have this, you know, you buy your product and I believe a legging for LuLaRoe for a consultant or a distributor is $12.50, mm-hmm. but they all generally sell them for $25. But if you've got some candy corn leggings and it's December 1st, you're not going to sell them for $25. You're not going to sell them. You so do. you're going to try to get it to 20 mm-hmm. and a 15 And maybe somebody will buy them from you for 10 and now you're at 250 Right. And that's the hardest part. Like you mentioned, all of these products, 99.999% of the time cannot be bought in a store. There are no retail outlets that are going to sell these items, which makes it weird. And I think that for me has always been my biggest pain point. Mm-hmm. Now, Tupperware eventually has come into stores, but it did start out, you know, as Tupperware parties back in the day. But if your product's so fucking good, why can't I get it at Target? I, I, you've always asked that question. And it, just don't yeah, get it. it does, it does head scratch. A lot of these products are made to be, make you believe that they're miracle products too. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of the beauty products too, like uh, Rodan and Fields, yep. Nerium, um, there's another one, Airbon. Oh yeah. I do know people that do Airbon. Yeah. That they say, it you know, works. this is the, ve- it works. This is the very best work. face cream. You're never going to find a better face cream. Yeah. Um, they come at all different price points, but really the business structure is all the same. the same. It's a pyramid system where these consultants really make money by getting other people under them and the people above them are, are making money. Yeah. But how much money is really anybody making? That's a really great question. In 2015, MLMs brought in over $36 billion in profits. Mm-hmm. Now, that's the company themselves. That does not necessarily mean everybody working for them is part of that $36 billion. So, for example, Herbalife, one of those is like food, supplements, vitamins and stuff, right? Yeah. I think they have gross. And I will say a lot of the information I have is from – a last week with tonight, John Oliver episode entitled multi-level marketing, which has over 14 million views mm-hmm. and it's about a year and a half, two years old, but Herbalife, one of the companies that they showcase really well operates in 95 countries and through a network of approximately three, 3.2 million independent distributors, but only 8,000 people are on the payroll. So right. 8,000 people are part of that 36 billion with other companies mm-hmm. and stuff like that. It's insane. Yeah. So that's one thing that I learned this week through the podcasts that I listened to and the articles that I read. 
that I guess I probably knew, but it really stuck out to me, mm-hmm. is that these distributors, these people coming to your house and selling you these products are not actually employed by the companies. Yeah. They're receiving no salary. They're receiving no benefits mm-hmm. or anything like that. They are only making money off the commission from the product they sell you. And it's proven now that 99% of people who join these MLM companies are losing money. Absolutely. They are not making it back. Well, no. Um, The FTC actually really went in hard on Herbalife. Yes. And so through quite a long, extensive investigation, the FTC said that Herbalife, by recruiting additional participants who fueled the enterprise by making wholesale purchases of the product, is what brought them in money, not retail sales. And at the end of their investigation, they were not determined to not be a pyramid scheme. <laughs> the fuck? Double negatives. My Double English teacher mother negatives. will love that. Yo. But, you know, like you said, we did listen to a lot of podcasts this week that talked about MLMs. And one of them is brand new over on Stitcher. And it's called The Dream. Oh, my and God. Fuck, I love is it. it a dream of a podcast? So amazing. Host is great. You're getting some serial level kind of stuff. But what I learned, and I know you listened to it, too, mm-hmm. is that... The first wave of MLMs was like Avon. So this was founded in 1886 and used the door-to-door model for selling perfume. However, it started out by a guy who was a door-to-door book salesman and just couldn't get people to open the door because a door-to-door salesman just seemed sketchy. Guys would be on your door with like a vacuum and couldn't get you to open the door. So he started to create perfume because he sounded like he was a little creepy. He was making in his house. Making like perfume at his house. And so... If women would buy the books, he would give them a free sample of his perfume. Well, women started to love the product, and he was like, fuck the books. I can get these women to hawk my perfume. And so from then and up until the middle of last century, many women didn't have the means to sample products and shop at a department store. So companies like Avon became huge, especially for African-American women, because they were simply not allowed to enter stores. Even up to not that long ago. And they didn't have the means to start their own business, but they could get in and help somebody else sell their products. And that's where it started. Yeah. So again, this podcast, The Dream, I just want to point out it's a new like investigative journalist expose type show that Stitcher is putting on along with, um, I think it's called Little Wonder Company. And uh, so far, they've dropped three episodes. Uh, they just dropped episode three today. So I listened to it um, on, the, on the course of my workday today. But episodes one and two, I've listened to both of them twice now because, oh. like, I'm just fascinated. So she really set in uh, on this podcast, The Dream. She starts off wanting to, to dive into this subject and talks about how most of her family and friends growing up in a small town in Michigan, Owasso, which is right outside of Flint. Mm-hmm. So you can imagine it's a very poor industry or a very poor community. Yep. Especially since the the cars uh, industries folded there yep. in the 70s and 80s. Um, that she's always been kind of around this MLM industry, even though she's not partaking herself. Most of her family and most of her friends have. Yes. So she says that she starts off this podcast and was really secretive at first, and she mentions it's because these MLM companies are highly litigious. Yeah, they are. So they had to keep it under wraps that they were even doing this project. But she said that she let it slip to a friend, mm-hmm. that she was what the subject of her new podcast was going to be. And she and like, couldn't hold it in talking to her friend. It sounded like she was having a cocktail or two with her don't friend. Don't her. And said, I'm doing MLMs. And the guy went, oh, you should talk to my mom. Yeah. Because her, his mother, Nan, who sounds fucking amazing, <laughs> yes. was part of something called the airplane game. 
in Tribeca in the 80s. Yes. And this was bizarre. Super Hearing bizarre. her explain these lavish parties that people would go to in massive lofts in Tribeca. She was saying like 3,000 square feet. And it's like, That was God. her loft. Yeah. Three she she was newly divorced. So yes. it sounds like she got a, a pretty good bargain out of that yeah, divorce. Absolutely. But she, you know, went to a party and somebody was like, oh, we're going to do the airplane game. And she explains it to the host that, you know, for $1,500, you can buy into this plane. And the plane has a captain at the seat, and behind him in two seats are the co-pilots. Yeah, a pilot and co-pilot. And then behind those three seats are, like, stewardess and the crew. crew. And then behind that is another four seats of passengers, and then another row of, like, five seats behind that of passengers. And if you can imagine, that setup looked a lot like a pyramid. A literal A literal pyramid. pyramid. So you would buy in at $1,500 to be on this flight as a passenger, and if you could recruit other passengers, you could move up a row. And if you could, if they could recruit passengers, you could move up another row. And before you know it, you and your friends are playing the airplane game. You're the captain, and you just made your hundred and fifty dollars back. That's right. When you well, not and other people's right. money. The payout was twelve thousand yep. dollars. So you paid fifteen hundred dollars in, and then you just recruited your friends. And once you became the pilot of the airplane, you cashed out at twelve thousand yeah. dollars, which she said in today's money is thirty thousand. Mm-hmm. And the initial buy-in of fifteen is now thirty-five hundred dollars. Yes. So a, a nan who was this. This mother that was explaining this said that she, at one time, was the pilot of five or six planes. There was no limit to the number of planes that you could do. And the problem is, it started with these very affluent people in upscale Tribeca, but there's only so many friends and people to recruit under you. So she said she always knew this was sort of like a Ponzi scheme. And she always kind of told herself she'd get out, but the money was so good. She talked about literally rolling around in cash on her bed with her children. I mean, it's It's, amazing. And that's why... It's enticing, right? It's enticing. And that's why when it comes to MLMs, they really do position themselves as a get-rich-quick concept, program, Scheme. scheme. And who doesn't want to get rich quick? Yeah. I mean, look, if I can put in $3,500 right now, and you're telling me in five days, all I have to do is bring my friends in too, and I'm going to cash out at $30,000, I mean, yeah. you've got to think about it for a minute at least. <laughs> right? You're an idiot not to think about yes. it. But you know who else was thinking about it too? The FBI. The FBI and the feds. Because as she mentioned, at a party one night, somebody was like, uh, there, we think there are some feds here. And her response to that was, Groovy. Cool. Cool, man. Right like, on. They right. Oh, they were playing game. Not like, oh, I just made 30 some odd thousand dollars. Well, nowadays, but $12,000 in the 80s. I didn't get taxed. All of this stuff. And the FBI was like, oh, what'd you do? You got new money? Can uh, we have some of it? Right. Because this is completely illegal. Right. Eventually it folds. Also, on this first episode of the podcast, one of her researchers who lived in uh, Bradenton, Florida, was his name Brandon? Brandon and Bradenton? I yeah. think I yeah, remember my, my that, but that's associating. Great, which anyway, isn't too far away from where we are. Bradenton. Exactly. He said at the same time down here in Florida, he was also playing the airplane game and making money. And once it uh, did eventually fold, some they were always very careful about keeping the right people in the airplane yes. game. But again, because in order to be successful, you have to continue to recruit, all of a sudden... 
first of all, you're getting less affluent people who $1,500 means a lot more to them. Correct. And second of all, people who are more skeptical, more willing to maybe talk to the FBI and expose what's going on here. And he said that it came out in the paper, in the Bradenton newspaper, this like ridiculous scheme. People are handing each other money and Uh paying out. And, you know, he said when you read it in black and white, it sounded a lot more legal than it felt. Oh, totally. And that's the thing about MLM still to this day is that, you know, the concept of getting others to get in the game with you, whether you're selling makeup or leggings or at-home products, maybe an essential oil, but bringing you in is like, we can, you can make passive money. You can have a passive income by getting others underneath you. And I think that the best stat I found in the last couple of days is that with this, hey, Amy, get five people underneath you. Get them to get five people underneath them. And let's keep this going. Except after 14 cycles of that game, you have exceeded the Earth's population. Right. Only so many people can get in on this. Yeah. And I read it. I've got an article here from the Washington Post uh, from just... uh, five days ago, from September 26th, that's titled Why Multi-Level Marketing Won't Make You Rich. It says the same the same thing, that you are you just can't keep that going. No. And most of these people who are in these MLMs are giving other people money to them, their MLMs. Yes. So basically, you're just trading back and forth money with your friends for these products. Yes. Whether you like the product or not. And I guess here's where I need to be a little like open. Transparent. Transparent. I've been to several parties. Yeah. I've purchased MLM products before. Um, a lot of the times I go to these parties because I've made a new friend uh-huh. or a coworker is throwing it and I feel like it's a, probably a good idea for yeah. me to attend this party. And, you know, I've attended a party right here in this apartment yeah. before I lived here with an older roommate of yours. Or was it the other apartment? It was the other apartment. It was the other one. Anyway. And this apartment is MLM break, right? <laughs> well, I bought some jewelry at that yeah. apartment, and I do kind of remember that. I, so, like I said, I've been to several of these, and they're more successful ones than others. If you have a really slick salesperson, yeah. I'm probably going to flip through your catalog and maybe yes. buy a couple of things. I've seen salespeople really stumble through mm-hmm. awkwardly as well, and sometimes you almost want to buy from them because you feel it feels bad. So bad, yeah. Our old roommate years. Eight years ago, uh-huh. was young, working for the same company we were working, um, but I think got let go, was bartending and having a hard time making money, and she got into multiple MLMs. I think one was Princess House. It was basically like flatware and like household items, and I thought to myself, like, you can't even legally drink. Yeah. Why are you trying to sell like wine? a crock pot and like fancy glasses and dishes and she had to buy her own starter kit and was mad that we weren't buying them. And I was like, but we have stuff in the apartment we don't need. Oh, fun fact. I think one of our spoons that looks out of place is it's a, a princess, princess house spoon. <laughs> so my bad. It trickles house in. has been tainted. Um, and then she did a jewelry party. And the thing that they do at these parties is, yes, they want you to purchase. But then comes the game. And the incentives. And, and the incentives yeah. in the game. Like, if you roll this dice, you can get one piece of jewelry and the other one half off. Or maybe you'll get three pieces of jewelry for the price of two. Or my favorite, you could win your own party. Oh, yeah. Which, F you, comes with me going and inviting other people, setting up a party, 
getting drinks and food, I'm out $300, but then I will be able to get money towards my own jewelry if everybody at the party purchases. And that's also such a yucky feeling. Like you getting your jewelry for cheaper is dependent on me buying something. And for those who aren't here with us, I'm like pointing at Amy very aggressively in regards to this. I am so aggressive in regards to this. You know, most of the parties that I've been invited to over the years, I haven't attended because the products do kind of tend to be expensive. Yeah. You know, it's more than I would pay for a piece of jewelry at the type of stores that I shop at. And it's trendy stuff that's going to go to style in a year. Right. But I've done it over the years feeling kind of like... I want to make this person my friend and I want uh-huh. to please them. So I go and I, and I buy their product and you know, you just mentioned your, your ex roommate who was enticed by this because she kind of fell on a harder time. She met somebody who promised her yes. this gilded lifestyle. Um, I was thinking a lot this week while listening to the podcast and listening to the type of women that get, it's typically women by the way, yes, very especially much. nowadays um, that get involved as distributors and I, I work in the entertainment industry, and even though I work in a, a professional management role, I interact often with dancers, actors, performers, yeah. and for a lot of them, I noticed almost all of them were getting involved in MLMs, several MLMs, yeah. some of them, and I kind of really always understood why they were doing it. These people have the lifestyle of an artist, and uh-huh. they are so lucky because they are making a living. They have a full-time job, um, and sometimes part-time for some of them, but they have uh, they are making money by living their art, which yeah. is the artist's dream. But they are still hourly yeah. employees, and they probably aren't making the kind of money for, you know, it's tough if you got kids, yeah. if you're looking to buy a house, you know, if you are... Somebody who's also kind of looking for that American dream lifestyle. I see a lot of them turning to, I mean, God, the Young Living Oils, the Nerium Creams, the Lip Sense makeup. And frankly, the lifestyle of an artist is very expensive. Yeah. Because, you know, a dancer can dance all day for their job, but they have to go take class at night. Yeah. Class is expensive. Audition clothes are expensive. Headshots are very expensive. Yeah. You know, the coaches and all of that. So I always kind of understood why they were getting into these schemes. But it also kind of, too, made me concerned and a little bit sad. But sure, I mean, there were always flyers and the catalogs for their things around me. And I, you know, bought one or two things from them over the years, too. Um, but anyway, kind of like getting I lost my train where, we, where should well, we go next so what we have I, so much to say well what I was gonna say is that the reason it's enticing is not only are we telling you you're gonna get rich quick but some of these products have endorsements by celebrities Absolutely. and watching the video with John Oliver if I saw Chuck Norris and one more video for something I was gonna lose my mind but you know yes there's endorsements from celebrities and you can feel good knowing like oh this other celebrity likes this oil too and this face cream but in, for an MLMer in their company, the founder has a cult-like status yes. that rivals anything. And they have yearly conventions, and they Sometimes are month, m- monthly. And some of the ones that I've been listening to, like I listened to a podcast called "I'm Sorry to Interrupt You," just real quick. A podcast called "Sounds Like MLM But Okay," and they talked to someone who was in Amway for ten years, and there were four mandatory conventions a year. And they are at arenas. I mean, they yes. are packing in fifteen to 20,000 people. The head of Market America, which, again, is something I have never heard of, J.R. Redinger, 
at a conference entered with actual fire and like explosives and pyro and then continued to use physical gags to show the crowd how to make more money and to pump them up. Like he literally went to the edge of the stage with water pumps and was like, you're going to be pumping in so much money. And then goes <laughs> over company. to a large hamster wheel and is like, this is you in the rat race. But once you're with us, you don't have to be in this rat race anymore. And then my favorite is when he ran to a gravestone on stage of Joe Nobody it didn't have a death date. It said Joe Nobody was born in 1955 until like question mark, but then continued to scream at the grave. Like, <laughs> come on, Joe, don't be a nobody. Come with me. I can show you the life you can lead. You're not living up to your true potential. And that's what people see. And it becomes this like motivational thing. And another one I was watching, this woman was referencing at this jewelry convention And it was Scientology levels. You know, there were 30 levels to grow through in the company. And she was like, if you're only here to be a low-level jade, get out. If you want to be a diamond, you're not thinking hard enough. But if you're thinking every day, I'm going to be a double black diamond, then welcome to your future. Here's what you're going to do. You're going to do this for a year, and in one year from today, you're going to walk into your boss's office and quit because you know you make six figures and that not a pyramid scheme that you do <laughs> that almost got you fired from work. And I can watch it and you're like, oh my God, what is happening? What this is lady is on? lunatic and screaming at you, but telling you, look at this guy. He has Ferraris because he can hawk his stuff so well. No, that guy has a silver fucking tongue and has convinced all of you to be in his downline, which is what's called mm-hmm. when you have all of those people in your team and he's making money off of all of you and he's not doing shit. And he's also less than the 1%. Right. So, I mean, they do chat out those people at those conventions yeah. that are making hundreds of thousands of dollars, if not millions of dollars a year. But what they're not being open with those other distributors about is that is 1%. What did you say? Herbalife had 3.2 million distributors. Yes. That means 3,000 of them are making money and yeah. the rest are making either nothing or or they're losing money because they are enticed to keep buying more and more yeah. product and they can't sell it because like we were talking about earlier, so many people, it's so much focused on new recruitment. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm right now on Facebook could point out five girls that are trying to sell me 31 bags. Oh, Another 10 people that are trying to sell me Rodan and Fields. Mm-hmm. Another 15, I bet, I bet literally 15 people have a LuLaRoe oh, yeah. business that are friends with me on Facebook and I am constantly declining their invites for their parties and their groups because all three of those products I've, I've paid attention to and I know I'm not interested in the product Correct. and you're not going to make me interested in the product and I don't want you to guilt me into wanting to buy the product and from I you. And I don't like being put into these groups. I don't That's like that either. That's a big thing that we have just offhandedly had our own conversations. By all means, post on Facebook that you sell lip sense stuff. Mm-hmm. And constantly, you know, if you want to update your feed and let everybody know, hey, you can come to me, but to force me into this group that I didn't ask for, once I got put into a legging group by a guy I went to college because he was helping his wife, I left. He put me right back in. I left again. We did this for 10 minutes and I messaged him. I was like, you have to stop stop it. I am leaving the group. He's like, oh, come on. And it was like harassing me. And I was like, bro, don't even. You know, I don't want, I didn't ask and you need to listen and respect that. 
I bet he went to a recruitment event yep. with his wife because, like you were talking about, it's it's an evangelical style of yes. preaching almost uh-huh. that they do at these conventions. And to go back to podcasts, I I thought to myself, I knew we were doing this topic yeah. this week, and I didn't want to sit here and be completely biased against no. multi-level marketing. Yeah, we did do our due diligence. So I, honest to God, you have to believe me, trying to <laughs> give, you try. try to listen to MLM positive podcasts and try to get some success stories so that I could go, well, but maybe, you know, it, well, but maybe. Yeah. So I listened to a podcast Gosh, I'm afraid. I'm afraid of saying this out loud, like they're going to come after me. But I'm going to go ahead and say the podcast is called MLM Success Stories Podcast. It was uh, the 101st episode that I listened to. I was hoping to listen to several, but uh, it's all I could do to get through those 42 minutes. The host is named Dale. Now, he was introduced by whom it sounded like was his wife, but then it turned over to Dale on the mic and I got a 42-minute sermon about um, why you don't give up ever, mm-hmm. you know, you pay more money, you um, isolate yourself from friends who are trying to tell you to get out, and you, um, it's us versus them, you know you, and you know your business, and you look, look, I love podcasts, I listen to a lot of them, I host a podcast about podcasts, and if I tell you that any podcast talks for one person talks for 42 minutes without essentially taking a breath. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. I mean, there's no segment. There was no guest. He never cited a source of anybody else. He had no ads. I mean, this was somebody, like I said, we have that in common. The word that kept coming to me was, um, evangelical and, and a radical evangelical. And, Cult. cult. I was just about to go there. Thank you. Because you said the word cult a couple of times while you were talking. Yeah. Um, I want to go back to, I didn't give enough credit to this podcast. Sounds like MLM, but okay. okay. That's the title of the show. And I think it's fucking brilliant. Um, I listened to most of an episode today called A Decade in Scamway or Amway. Funny. And they had a woman on Allison Craft who was in Amway for 10 years, and she straight up now calls it a cult. Yeah. She talks about how difficult it was to get out. So I know that's where you kind of want to go. Yeah, so I know we talked about it weeks ago when we were referencing Jonathan Van Ness's Getting Curious podcast. JVN from the famed Queer Eye on Netflix is the groomer, and he had this podcast well before the show because he is curious about things. I love that. Yeah, me too. And he did have on basically a doctor of cults. And she said there are about seven signs that cults have and she even said MLMs fit about five of seven and it is very much that us versus them mentality um push people out who don't agree with you also like a suppressed person in Scientology Mm -hmm. there are levels you need to attain your leader is the most important person it's just focus on recruitment of others constantly and getting out near impossible. Exactly. Unless you're willing to go completely bankrupt and lose a huge portion of your social network. Yeah, absolutely. And unfortunately, when it comes to these MLMs, the Hispanic communities are targeted the most. Really? Yeah. I didn't see it. Especially with Herbalife. Ah. So a lot of um, the footage that you see during the John Oliver, as well as they have a lot of great footage. I want to make sure I get it right. Do it right. Is... um, from ABC News investigation with Brian Ross called Herbalife Investigation, American Dream for Sale. 
and the whistleblower. And they talk a lot about Herbalife and how it's in low-income Hispanic communities and have, like, a retail space, but have to have, like, the wall, like, the doors and windows completely covered. You go in and, like, they had cameras on them, like, button cameras. And they had two of their um, producers who are Hispanic go in and try to get recruited. And it was just like, oh, well, we don't have the money. Well, what can we do to help you get that money? And, like, bringing them in. And they just so difficult to get out and from under that debt that – 60%, I think, of I mentioned, of the distributors of Herbalife are Latino. And in fact, with the John Oliver episode, he was so passionate about getting this message out. He had his own MLM at the end of the show called Hashtag This is a Pyramid Scheme, (laughs) trying to help other people get family members and friends out of an MLM. So his goal was that you share this video with five of your friends and ask them to share the video with five of their friends. And then he brought on an actor from... Jane the Virgin, mm-hmm. and was like, this is how passionate I am. We're going to do this episode with subtitles in Spanish, and then he's going to come out and do all of the stuff that I did in Spanish because it is so important wow. that this segment of the community understand what they're getting into because they're being sold a bill of goods. Buy this soup, sell this soup, make money, and they can't. To I, you, And then they can't get out. And they can't get out. And, you know, I saw – this is back to the Washington Post article that I talked about earlier – um, she said here that nearly 32% of multi-level marketing participants said they finance their involvement in the business using a credit card, mm-hmm. which means these people don't have the money to buy in in the first place. Yeah. And I'll share a personal story now that I know I've told you yeah. before. Um, when I was a kid, my my dad owns a small business, a legitimate small business. <laughs> we need to talk about yep. calling these people calling themselves small business owners in a minute. But... Um, My dad owns a legitimate small business in a small town in Michigan, and for many years, he employed a secretary. And in the summers, I would go work in my dad's shop for like five bucks an hour for my mom to get me out of the house, to keep me busy, and for me to make a little pocket change. I cleaned around the office for $5 an hour. Perfect. And I would, you know, chit-chat often with the secretary who, uh, you know, her name was Jennifer. She became, you know, she was a really nice lady. She had kids. She had just recently remarried her current husband. Um, she had been a cosmetologist. Uh, previously, she cut hair. And she kind of left that. She wanted something a little bit more stable, I think. And so she was working for my dad. And she wound up getting into Mary Kay. Because mm-hmm. she was a licensed cosmetologist. Not only could she sell, but she was actually allowed to do makeovers yeah. at parties. But she got started... And she just needed to host so many parties in so many days or something. Mm -hmm. And I guess I was like 12-ish maybe at the time. And she asked me to host a party. So, like, I asked a bunch of my girlfriends and they all kind of fell through at Uh the end. So, this poor woman came over. I got permission from my mom, of course. Yes. But the party participants were just me, my mom, and my sister who was like... If I was 12, she was six, or she was eight eight at the time. So, you know what? I mean, they made us over... Or she made us over. Obviously, I was, like, I didn't have... Oh, credit card. I didn't no, buy yeah. anything. I don't know if my mom, out of you know pity or guilt, bought anything from her. But you know, and also I was a kid. I wasn't involved in like the business level of it. I was like, yeah, I want a makeover party. Yeah. Um, but I do kind of remember my parents talking about a couple years later down the road that she and her family almost went bankrupt because she got so soaked into that Mary Kay, yeah. and they pushed you to. She had, I think, like several thousand dollars in product that she couldn't unload, and I think they wound up having to like liquidate it somehow and just try to recruit regain any part of that loss but it was you know that's a a personal story from my past and I I know other people 
buy so much of this product because they keep getting sold so hard. They get it further into this cult-like atmosphere yeah. of trust us. You will see the gain. All you've got to do is oh, pay one more step. Buy one more Give box. It, buy one more box. And then you're going to finally yeah. you know, be at that level where you'll make the money back. And it's just not accurate. accurate. And it's not true. And if you do, you are the exception to the rule. And yes. with a lot of these products that you have to buy up front, they will expire. Your essential oils will expire. Your makeup does expire. You know, your Herbalife food and supplements will expire. Mm -hmm. And at that point in time, you're screwed out of your money. And some companies will let you do a return. But, like, let's say you have. For very little. Oh, for 10%. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. You're still screwed regardless. I think LuLaRoe does that. You can return products that you can't sell. Only now. Only now. They went through a whole big thing. But um, like you mentioned, your dad is a small business owner. So some professionals are, are small business owners, operate small businesses. They can be lawyers, accountants, dentists, medical doctors, own restaurants, be photographers, have small-scale manufacturing, maybe an internet-related business such as a web design or computer programming. Um, and then there's also entrepreneurs, and that they're a person who organizes and operates a business or businesses, taking on greater-than-normal financial risks in order to do so. Um and also with the small business owner, they often will require inspection and certification from various government authorities in regards to whatever business that they are in. And um, like we mentioned, this is kind of one of the things that like gives us like a twitch in our eye when people are like, oh, support my small business mm-hmm. or small business owner Saturday after you know Thanksgiving. And as a, a small business owner is the cute little cafe that is a mom and pop shop that I'm going to go get my coffee from and then go to another local, you know, Etsy pop-up shop or something. Those are small businesses. You telling another company, I will give you a thousand dollars and then sell your product for you and not get a W2 from them Mm -hmm. or anything like that is not a small business. You're not an entrepreneur. If could you go on Shark Tank and pass the red face test? You couldn't. No. I think that I see, I mean, just on Facebook alone, I see so many people that, you know, I'm friends with talk about how they're a now small business owner and I twinge, especially because, you know, my father's a small business owner and I see him having, uh, running a legitimate business and it's not the same as selling lipstick on the internet. It's It's just not. not. And I think that they get sold this from their upline though, because look, this upline has to somehow make them feel better about the fact that you're getting no salary from Mm -hmm. us. You're getting no benefits from us. So what are we going to tell you to make this feel okay? We're going to tell you you're your own small business. You're in charge of your destiny. If only you work hard enough and and grow your business by recruiting and selling and doing Mm -hmm. your parties, this is all up to you. This is your business. Which also feels like a great line for them whenever the FTC comes and raids their back office and watches them literally clean money in the back. Then they can go like, but look at all these other small business owners that are underneath us. Like, I feel like it's also a way for them to pawn off a lot of responsibility. But you know what? Like you said earlier, we did a lot of due diligence in this. So mm-hmm. I want to talk about the Rise podcast with Rachel Hollis. We okay. talked about her before. Great book, Girl, Wash Your Face. And you're a big fan of hers. Big fan of hers. And in the book of hers, I had one of those uh, moments because mm-hmm. she talked a lot about MLMs. And she has spoken at Rodan and Fields conferences. And when I posted on Instagram that I was, you know, reading that book, a handful of Rodan and Field consultants, distributors, 
who have annoyingly never left me alone and that I don't want their product and I don't want to work for them. Mm-hmm. We're like, oh my God, we love Rachel. She's such a supporter of us, which I know is a dig from their perspective. Like, you like Rachel, but you don't like us. Are you sure you like Rachel and support Rachel? Sure. Rachel's ours. She belongs Rachel's to us. Rachel's ours. But so, Rachel. She's in their cult. She is. <laughs> her episode, MLM Secrets to Success, How to Build a Great Team to Grow Your Direct Sales Business. So on this episode, she had Lindsay Matway. She's a lifestyle coach and mom entrepreneur. That's not a real word. Oh my god! Uh-huh. Uh, that's like girl boss, mom entrepreneur. <laughs> Stop it! No, no. So just be an entrepreneur who happens to be, to a, be mom. a woman, right? Sidebar: You are a boss. You happen to be female. You're an entrepreneur. You happen to be a mom. What defines you the most? And go with that. Exactly. I could rant farther, but let's Jesus, go on with right? the podcast. <laughs> like that poor. Female, female prosecutor. prosecutor. That's what I wanted to rant about. Damn it. Exactly. Okay, SNL's cold <laughs> open and A.D. Bryant's character, the female prosecutor, couldn't just be the fucking... Okay. The Brett Kavanaugh stuff, right, right, blah, right. blah, 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 blah. That's a different episode. Can't wait to see you all season long, Matt Damon. <laughs> we love you. Um, <laughs> anyway, she is a Beachbody coach. Mm-hmm. So Beachbody does P90X, 21 Day Fix, so many more things. I raise your hand, Amy. I need to raise you my hand. You did it for a long time. I was in Beachbody for a while. I bought so much fucking Shakeology that, hey, guess what? That shit expires. It does. What That's would you expensive. rather have, a Kate Spade or a month-long supply of Shakeology? <laughs> <laughs> you know. I know what I want. Anyway, I want so basically the concept of Beachbody is you purchase Shakeology, and this is your food supplement. And through your quote-unquote coach, you can purchase online videos, DVDs, supplemental food products. They have their own version of Tupperware container, like you put your nuts in mm-hmm. this and that's all you can have this a day. Is, yeah, that's Three-day cleanses, so much more. Um, she has a Beachbody team of 70,000. Oh, wait, distributors under her? Uh-huh. Okay, now she is in the 1%. She's she making is in the 1%. She She's has an Instagram money. following of 88 thousand people on her website she's got coaching programs to help you teach others to coach Mm -hmm. or she can be your coach and what they talk a lot on this episode is how she really boomed she was you know young had a daughter and her husband were trying to figure things out and she you know saw somebody doing beach body got in with that woman that woman quit and she was her only downline so she was on her own and became her own coach and just realized she was getting a lot of no's from people that didn't want to participate and just looked at, you know, had a photo of her daughter next to her desk and was like, this is my why. I am not going to stop until I am done. And she wanted to figure out how to push through to get to that next level. So then she realized her niche is moms. And she did what the most successful bloggers, vloggers, podcasters do is you niche down so hard. Nobody can be like you. You know what I mean? You've got to find your niche. You have to stay in your lane. Mm -hmm. And she realized her niche was moms. And so she worked hard to join other mom groups, mom groups at church, find other, you know, like stay-at-home moms at school, find the working moms at her children's school. Like what moms could she find? And her goal was to talk to 100 people a day about Beachbody. And then she would start. I don't want to talk to 100 people a day about anything. I know you don't. God damn, <laughs> so that's horrible. She hit her first monthly goal of like winning an iPad. And she said, well, what's the next goal? And just kept seeing those goals and kept reaching and reaching and reaching. And like I said, now she's got 70,000 people underneath her. And she also will do monthly calls where everybody calls into like a conference line. Mm-hmm. She had Rachel Hollis come on and talk to her team. And she's had other motivational speakers who kind of talk to them. And so underneath her 70,000, she has other umbrellas that are niche and just all of these different niches underneath her. So I don't think that there's a market she's not touching. 
But so when I went onto her website, she had the six figure checklist to succeed. And I couldn't copy all of it because it was so long. Oh, yeah, I see your paper. So here's some things I meet three to five new people on social media daily. I will host a monthly fitness challenge group. I earn Success Club 10 monthly, minimum five without expectation, exception, which I don't know what those words mean. I return messages regarding my business every day. I have scheduled business hours. I am present and in the moment during this time. I don't go to bed until my power hour to-do list is complete. I will work out five days per week. I will drink Shakeology daily. And I mean, this continues and continues and continues. Um, I'm growing my following on Instagram by 20 to 30 people weekly. I read the book GoPro. I read the book The Compound Effect or The Slight Edge. I track my progress using notebooks, spreadsheets, Evernote, Asana, and more. I mean, it goes on and on. This is how you can make six figures. And this is another thing that I've always been confused on. Good for her. It can be done. You know what I mean? But she is the exception to this rule. Yeah. But what I've never understood with Beachbody and, you know, with so many of these other things is she's considered a coach. I know plenty of Beachbody coaches. Mm-hmm. They um, have never gone to school for nutrition. They mm-hmm. do not have a background in personal <laughs> yeah. training. Yep. And yet they tell people, here's how to get fit. Here's how to eat right. When people have spent blood, sweat, and tears in this world of nutrition and fitness, and you had $150 for a thing in Shakeology and got somebody underneath you and now you're a coach? Yeah. You know, I will say from having been in it, their biggest job to coaches is to cheerlead and to um, share ideas for, you know, like recipes and things. Yeah. They're not say. I mean, the you buy the program. So, like, you buy the PO or the um, – you know, the different exercise routines. And oh, yeah. they cheerlead you to do it every day yeah. to get up and do it. Look at me defending it now. You are. And, it's okay. And the same thing with the food. But that really is the role. Whether they're all doing that, the coaches, I can't confirm or deny. I worked with one coach, and I got it. A girlfriend of mine from work needed to do it, and it was a buddy challenge. She asked me to be her buddy, and I was overweight. I, like, I was, I was in a bad place with my weight yeah. at the time, and I was like, yes, I will do this. Um, so that's how I got into that. I was only in it for a couple of months before I just couldn't keep up with yeah. it. I had um, a friend who wanted me to do it and I was like, great, I don't want to use your Shakeology. I just want to eat like my own food plan. Like, you know, can I just do, um, my fitness pal? And she's like, ah, we really want you to do the Shakeology. And yeah. I was like, yeah, you really yeah, want my money. I get it. And I was mm-hmm. like, well, if that's I'm just doing tea your success, unless yeah. you do their program, right? Of course. <laughs> So, yes, we did want you guys to know that there are people out there that are doing a fine job and are able to buy their house in cash, as they want you to know. (laughs) I mean, it's true. Obviously, there's the stories out there of of people who really do just, they must be very, very charming. Yeah. They must be probably very, very dedicated. They have, you know, like I was saying to you earlier before we got started, I'm not going to quit my job and start up an LMLM and just know that I'm going to work really hard. Yeah. Because my life isn't set up that way. You know, if I had a spouse whose benefits I could fall back on, you know, that might be something that I could start to consider. Yeah. Um, but, you know, again, I, I was at a MLM party recently, and it was really clear to me that the woman that was hosting the party, she had retired from... Um, she was a, she was in an artist career and she had retired from that essentially. And she basically, it was pretty clear to me she had married well. Uh And so for her to be part of the MLM that she was part of, she had exposable income and she was able to buy into this and there, the stakes weren't terribly high. I felt now maybe I don't know. I don't actually know this woman. So I could just definitely be inferring, uh, very wrongly. Yeah. 
But I do think that if you are in a place in your life where you want to get involved in an MLM, maybe you do just have a passion for the product. Maybe you're somebody who's really, really social and, you know, you just want to host these parties and talk to people and meet new people. And, you know, there are people that love to attend those types of conventions and just have that like cheerleading moment. I don't think that it's all necessarily bad um, or evil. I do think that the structure of the companies is bad and evil. It is. But I do think that if you want to be involved, as long as you know what you're signing up for and what you're willing to do and you're like gambling, yeah. you know, like that. And also like when you go to the casino, if you know that you're the type of person that can take a hundred dollars to the casino and stop after $99 and 99 cents of, of spending at the slot machine and walk away. Oh, that's me. fine. Go ahead. <laughs> I am a person who it takes a hundred dollars to the casino and then, you know, runs to the ATM <laughs> yeah. three more times. I can't make rent. You're anymore. like a kid on the leash. We have to like yeah. tug on you. Like get back here. Thankfully Amy. I don't go to casinos often, but I, I'm one of those people yeah. that I'm sure I could be convinced to buy yeah. more and more and more stuff. So if you know what you're getting in for and what you want to get out of it, and you're a, a strong enough person mm-hmm. to hold to that, get into it. And and like I've just admitted, you know, I've been a consumer of the products from multi-level marketing. I've had better experiences yeah. than others. I tend to stay away from it for the most part. Like yeah. I said, I really have to be enticed either by the person hosting the party or the product to involve myself. And I don't ever guarantee to them that I'll buy. If I buy it, because I genuinely want the the product. Um, So, yeah, go ahead. So in regards to that, I think my biggest concern with all of it is, like, just call a spade a spade. Yes. I like this product. I really want to be a independent distributor. Don't call yourself a small business owner. Do not call yourself an entrepreneur. And also... I would love to not feel like to be a good friend I am forced to support and give you money. That Mm -hmm. you so often see people just be like, well, I can't believe you're not going to support my small business. And you're not going to support this and buy from me. Well, listen to us. I got a blog and a podcast. Have you rated five stars? Have you subscribed? Did it cost you any money? It didn't. Right. So, you know, if you don't want to be listening to myself or reading my blog or liking my photos on Instagram, all good. Fine. I'm still going to do it and not demand a dime from anybody. I mean, if we wanted to go to Patreon, maybe we'll bring <laughs> that back up. We don't know. We don't have the clout yet. But also, we'll take a sponsored ad. Yeah, but sure. at the same time, with these things, I just always feel like when I hear someone's in one, I'm like, oh, they're going to tell me I'm a bad person for not giving them money. Mm-hmm. I know plenty of people who are a small business owner in town who I'm like, how are things going? like, one of our girlfriends, Kristen, she's got her own blowout studio. She doesn't come at us all of the time that if we were good friends, we'd go and get a blowout from her. Right. It's Monday. I don't need one right now. Maybe if I'm going to a holiday party, I would do if that. Mama can score herself a date. Maybe I'll get right. a blowout. <laughs> boyfriend, she would wear, get blowouts more often. <laughs> but I, my relationship with Kristen isn't dependent on me supporting that monetarily. It's yeah. me supporting it in a friend way. And she doesn't ask for more and vice versa. And that's what I get so much out of these MLMs is that they do kind of dig at them during these conferences. Like if people aren't supporting you, get them out of your group. And it's like, right. whoa, why am I yeah, hijacking our friends and acquaintances yeah. into these cult-like business models? And when we came into this friendship, we had this contract that we support each other and all this stuff, but not monetarily. Right. And now this is here and now I have to do that. And so that's what I think one of the reasons that MLMs and Pyramid schemes give me a pit. And as John Oliver said, 
a lot of people who are going to listen to this are going to say, yeah, but my MLM is different. Sure. And it's not. Yeah. Just like every girl in a bad relationship that says, yeah, I but, can change but him. I can change him. It'll work out for me. Yes. Um, so look, I really do wish people that are involved in these things well, because I don't want to see anyone lose their shirt. Absolutely not. Uh, I still feel everything I feel about that episode, if not more these days. Can I be honest? Yeah, I was just saying to you before we got started, I need Jane Marie to give me season two yes. of The Dream. I want it so bad. I know. We should start a letter writing campaign. Okay. <laughs> Come on, rewinders. Come on, help us get more episodes of The Dream. It was so well done. Yes. She kind of went in on it and, you know, did some dirty work and so appreciated because... Hard pass on that, but I feel like, and I know we talked about it so many times, but not liking an MLM is like makes you a bad person. But in you, some eyes, in some eyes, but like somebody who's in an MLM who constantly digs at you, like by my stuff, by my stuff, by my stuff, and doesn't listen to your no. And I'm in positions with that with a couple of women that I know, friends of yours, friends, friends of mine. Like, hey, I'm happy for you. Good luck. You must respect the fact that I do not want to be on your team. I do not want to purchase anything, but I hope you do well. Sure. And then they keep coming back. And I'm like, why am I the bad person? Like, fucking leave me alone. Like, don't make me go crazy. It's about respecting people's boundaries. Yes. And I still think, and I know we talked about it in the episode, that it's this pressure from their upline. Absolutely. Um, for these newbies to pressure their friends and to make the sales, to try to even recoup the money they yeah. invested. Yeah, look, I'm still getting it too. It's constant on social media. Yes. People joining and or adding me, asking me to join their new multi multi level marketing endeavors, and I'm like, literally, I podcasted about this. Right? <laughs> if you knew anything about me, you'd know I'm going to say no. Um, look, I, I wish you the best, but I think what you're doing is bullshit. Quit it. Quit. Yeah, stop. I would rather shout from the rooftops that we did a show about incels than like post on my Facebook page that we did a show about disliking multi-level marketing. Like that's where I feel, but oh, no. I still feel strongly. Yeah, I'm nervous about um, promoting this episode. <laughs> to be honest with you, I was nervous you, then. I'm nervous now. You know what? Fuck it. I'm leaving. I'm leaving the state after we post this. So <laughs> you are. You I'm in send and bold. <laughs> You're skipping down. Skipping down, y'all. Skipping. Town. Well, guys, thank you so much for joining in that little rewind with us. We hope you loved hearing us talk about multi-level marketing as much as we did. Mm -hmm. If you guys have any deep dives that you want us to do or things that you have questions about that you want us to go find the answers and use other podcasts yes. to educate ourselves, you know where to find us all over the socials at Podcast RWD. Or you can shoot us an email at podcastrwd at gmail.com. That's right. The Look. only emails we get from there are from Podbean, the people that we post our podcasts on. Yeah, they post our feed. Um, we are looking soon to bring back original episodes, start bringing you new topics. Eric and I are not out of questions. No. We're just enjoying this little summer um, time Green. to sit back and rewind. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I am so sorry. I have like a fuzz in my eye while we're trying to podcast. That. I apologize. But like Amy said... We are not done with our questions, and we're most certainly not done with listening to podcasts. Ooh. So, of course, we are going to bring to you this week a couple of the favorite shows that we've been listening to and what we like to call our podcast pop-ups. Yeah. So, I mean, can I quickly go first? Please do. Because I had a podcast pop-up that I forgot, and then I just remembered, especially when you're talking about your obsession of the week. Okay. So, when it comes to HBO's docuseries, I Love You Now Die, 
the podcasts that followed were pretty excellent. So I want to share with you guys the Betch Slap episode and True Crime Obsessed did a two-parter all about the docuseries. And I think it's a great thing to listen to right after those documentaries, getting other people's opinions and thoughts. I have so many friends that watched the show that were like, I have never flip-flopped on like guilty, not guilty, guilty, not guilty. Uh-huh. Like my head hurts from the whiplash that I have. And that's what you hear everyone else go through on these podcasts. So you're like, oh, I am so not alone. Yes. If I can throw another one on yeah. the pile, again, from Betches Media, they have a podcast I've brought up here, not another true crime podcast. Yes. And um, they do a, a bonus series on their show called Wait What? <laughs> Where sometimes they talk about documentaries like this when they come out, like they covered Finding Neverland and Abducted in Plain Sight. Of course. They did a Wait What? This week. Wait about, What? About I Love You Now Die. And just to hear other people um, debate it the way you and I debated yeah. it. At, like, there, I, there is no right or wrong. I mean, yeah, of course there is right or wrong. And in the eyes of the law... Spoiler alert, she got convicted for it. Spoiler, it was in the news. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> to be um, fair. But, uh, yes, I totally agree with you. Oh, yeah. Anyway, not so, to, uh, to I wanted, oh, good. I wanted to share with you guys that those are some to add to your pile once you've done following Amy's instructions of watching that. But I have a podcast that I am excited to listen to. I haven't listened to it yet, but I just saw a friend of mine, Maggie, <gasps> we post this Maggie. on her Instagram stories. She's the greatest. From Ringer Dish, and the episode is taking you back to the 1999 MTV Video Music Awards. Woo! So Those are their awards I haven't I heard in They're a going minute. back. They're digging deep into Chris Rock's opening monologue. Remember when Diana Ross jiggled little Kim's boobie with like the a nipple cover on it? I love it that you're so old. You said little Kim. <laughs> it's little Kim. Bro. Little Kim. Sorry. Um, I guess Paul McCartney during the show mispronounced Lauren Hill's name. Oh, I don't remember that. I can't remember. Is 1999 the whole Jenny from the Block Green Versace oh, that's deep V? Definitely J. I mean, here. this was an iconic moment for the VMAs, and I used to love. And the reason I'm so excited for this is because I used to love watching those MTV shows that were like oh, behind yeah. the lens when you would have the producers and directors yeah. explain to you how they got ready for the show, what was happening backstage. I'm yes. like, I only want to listen to you. You guys. So I am so excited for The Ringer. The, I think the podcast is called The Ringer. It's called Ringer Dish presented by The Ringer. Oh, okay. Is The yeah. Ringer a website? Is uh, that like a news media? Probably. Let's okay. go with that. Sure. I didn't follow up that much. Yeah, no, you didn't even listen to it. I didn't even listen to it. It's a banger. Go for it. Give us a follow up next week, eh? I will. All right, cool. Anything else? No, no, no. Those are it for me. Okay. Um, I, I don't want you to do, like, let's go. I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, over the last few weeks, I've, I've listened to a podcast kind of in spurts because it's kind of heavy. Sure. And I'm ready to pop it up. Um, it's called It Could Happen Here. Okay. It's from iHeartMedia. And the host is Robert Evans, who hosts another show that I listen to. Do you remember me telling you about Behind the Bastards yes. podcast? Yeah, yeah. Um, I talked about... Um, Oh, I talked about it in the Flat Earth episode. Oh, yeah. The, the guy that kind of perpetuated the Flat Earther theory. Yes. They covered on Behind the Bastards. Anyway, the host of that show, Robert Evans, hosts this other show, It Could Happen Here. And guys, it's like a deep dive look into how we could potentially be entering a second United States Silver War. Oh, that's terrifying. And I get that that sounds crackpot and conspiracy theory. It. Close, adjacent, I should say. Sure. But 
take a listen to it. The first, I mean, it's very jarring because he's being very honest, but he's really talking about the unrest between, you know, kind of like in middle America and how, if we don't get back on track, how things could go off the rail. And he talks a lot about like, I'm not trying to be an alarmist and I'm not trying to incite, but he brings in, so he's been a reporter over in Iraq and Syria mm-hmm. in, uh, before, and so he talks about, like, life in war and how it could happen here. Mm-hmm. Like I said, it's so jarring. The first episode is called The End of the United States of America, and you want to, you almost hope that this is some just crackpot spouting off at the mic like an incel would, yeah. but he's really well-researched. He talks about how it's happened in other parts of the world and how it could potentially happen here. Yeah. I don't know. Take a listen for yourselves and formulate your own opinion. It's not something that I've been able to binge. All the episodes no, are out, and I can listen to one or two of them a week, and then I've got to walk away from it. Um, on a slightly more lighthearted side, yeah. I have another podcast that I'm totally stoked about, and this is not a normal Amy Curve podcast. Yeah. Um, it's about love. Oh. Yeah, right? It's called Committed, also from iHeartMedia. Um, the host of this show is Joe Piazza, and basically it takes a deep dive look at real life um, relationships. So the committed title is referring I think to. I can see the image of that podcast in my head. You know where I th- I couldn't remember how I found out about it. I think you know how we watch the iTunes scroll when we edit our yes, show. Yes. Um, I, think I think I saw it. it there. I, yeah, it was there, and I got interested, and I looked it up and listened to it. Um, so I listened to three episodes just today, and let me quickly tell okay. you about them. So the first one I listened to was called "You Can't Take Him from Me." And it was about this man and a woman. Um, Her name is Sarah. His name is Spider. He's an illegal immigrant from, um, I believe it was Ecuador. And she's an American citizen. They, he, you know, emigrated here when he was young, but by himself. Um, They met at a party one night. He was, you know, already here for several years. Um, They fell in love slowly, but then they fell deeply in love and uh, she is going through a disease where she's slowly going blind. And she's <gasps> soon to be totally blind. Yeah. And so he is her caretaker. And then one night, unfortunately, they got pulled over and he is now in ICE detention. <gasps> and so they're making this case for, like, how to get him out and to stay here. And she's very afraid if he goes back to Ecuador that they'll kill him because I guess it's really unpopular to go to America if you're from there. Oh, wow. Um, that they think, like, oh, you're better than us. Oh. And if you come back, they will not be kind to you. And maybe even he could die. Yikes. So, I mean, these two people are in love and they have all these obstacles. And while they've been together, they recently suffered a miscarriage. Um, and then at the end of the episode, we get an update that they've actually gotten married now. So they hope that he will be getting a green card soon. But, like, it's traumatic, but it's beautiful. Anyway, the second episode was called No More Secrets. This one is tough. Okay. It's a man and a woman who've been married for 20 years. Um, he gets convicted of child pornography. Oh. he's He was watching child porn. They have three teenagers mm-hmm. at home at the time. And um, he does not speak on the show, only she does. And they're still married. They're trying to make it work. And she's talking about, like, forgiveness and redemption. And, I mean, how could you ever forgive your partner for for something that horrible? And it does seem outside the lines of acceptable. But in real life, when you've built your life with somebody for 20 years and you have children, there's other factors at play. And 
it's it's beautiful in, in a way to listen to like someone's raw emotion sure. like that. And then the last one I listened to was a lot more fun. It was called "You're Different from Me." You're different from me. Uh huh. And it's um, two women who are married to one another, and they both work in the same brothel in Las Vegas. And how that looks at home. Amazing. <laughs> yeah. So all different stories about committed relationships. And um, I totally dig it. I'm going to keep listening. I'm so excited for you. Yeah, Add just... a little love into your murder. <laughs> love and murder. Love and murder. You Everyone's know, favorite things. A lot of murders wouldn't happen if it weren't for some love that gone wrong. Girlfriend, you are not wrong. I know. I know. Nice. Well, guys, thank you so much for listening to our latest episode of Podcast Rewind, episode 75, all about MLMs and a couple other pods thrown in there, too. Absolutely. You guys, come back next week. Um, we're going to start some original content here. We may be still rewinding. We may not. We'll, we'll see if I even come home from L.A. Yeah, this one's going to run away on me one day. Nah, I really have a return flight and a lot of work to do. <laughs> so, but anyway, guys, don't forget our favorite thing for you to do every week is to rate, review, subscribe on please, iTunes. Please, please, please. please. And um, stay tuned to the end of the show, maybe for a little uh, surprise from Amy and I of uh, our little mic check. Perhaps. <laughs> An audio gift. An audio gift from us. Um, (laughs) Just to kind of lighten the mood after everything. So, guys, seriously, thank you for listening. And as always, do not forget to be kind and rewind. Bye, y'all. Oh, what have we yeah. learned? But no, what is that song? Isn't it Donna Summer's Save the Last Dance? Maybe. Samadana? Samadana. Yes. <laughs> um, oh my so God. I don't know. I, I had, had it and then you wouldn't stop singing well, <laughs> Men at Work or whoever they are. It's not Men at Work. It's not Men it's at like Work. It's like Bobby Darren or something. The original? Yes. Oh, yeah. I meant and the 80s play. one. That you were singing, um, you can dance if oh, you want yeah. to. Is that Men at Work? Somebody like that. You can dance if you, you want, want to. You can leave your friends behind. If your friends don't dance, and if they don't dance, then they're no friends of mine. You can dance. Maybe the Donna Summer version is just a... With a hand in your pants. <laughs> is that how that goes? <laughs> yeah, you definitely have to Google that. I have to know what this is. Alright. I'll keep vamping in the meantime. Please do. Um, yeah, no... You can dance, da 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 da. You can smile, da. But if he asks you, this is what I was thinking of. Tell him no. Sounds like a dream is a wish your heart makes. For romance. Oh, I know this. Isn't this on Bridget Jones? Probably. Go to the good part. Yeah. The last dance. dance. Yeah. This is a good one. This is what I thought you were saying in your head. Now it's in my head. It will be now. It is now. It is now. I do now. (laughs) (laughs) It's the longest mic check ever. It's the longest mic check.